Hello and welcome once again to Five Alive Podcast. It is July the 12th and we are studying just one passage of scripture today, one verse, but yet it's chock full of so much information. And so we want to just jump right into it and we're going to read this passage of scripture. Now, last week we were talking about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery and uh, we're just going to... um, that, that was our leaving off point, uh, John chapter 8, verse 11, and we're going to read today John chapter 8, verse 12. And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Brilliant. So uh, let's, let's read it again. And, uh, and let's just take it uh, in stride as to what we're talking about here. And we're going to just break it down a little bit today. And I'm just going to ask some practical yet simple questions and, and try and see what Jesus is really saying to us here. So uh, just allow the word of God to sink into your heart today. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All right, brilliant. So Jesus is making a statement here um, that doesn't lead us as a follower or a disciple or as a Christian down a road of any kind of rule following. There's no presupposed text here. There's no expectations. In order to follow me, you have to do X, Y, and Z. There's no, there's no talk like that. Jesus simply says, whoever follows me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's, that to me is amazing uh, because what we always think of as human beings is we think, okay, well, what are the rules? What are the regulations? What is it that I need to do in order to achieve heaven or enlightenment or eternal life? Or what is it that I'm doing wrong that I need to correct in my life so that that way I can make it further ahead than I have been before? And Jesus doesn't talk about any of that stuff. Instead, he says, I alone am the answer. I am the light of the world. And so I just have a few things. Of, of the way that we can look at this um, passage of scripture. And if you can think back to English uh, class, which I did horribly in, by the way, um, there were a couple of things that I always remembered. And it was when you're discussing a topic, you discuss the who, what, when, where, why, and hows of it. And, uh, and so who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. He is the light. He is born of the Virgin Mary. He is Jesus of Nazareth. That's who, uh, what, what are we talking? What is he? He is the light. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. Um, how? He always has been. He didn't all of a sudden become the son of God or was born into it. But from all creation, according to the first chapter of the book of John that we read, he always has been. So that's how he became the light of the world. Uh, why? Why is he the light of the world? To dispel darkness. And where is he um, um, the light? He is the light of the, on the world or in the earth or on the earth. And so I just um, casually want to ask you, what is light? I'm not looking for a specific scientific answer. I'm not looking for anything like that. I'm just asking, what is light? Mallory, what do you, what do you say? Um, I don't know. You were saying something. Uh, well, that was the same exact question in my science pace. Because I'm learning about light and science. And um, I think light is 
a light bulb whenever people are like, what do you think of light? It's a light bulb or sun shining. Yeah, absolutely. That's a scientific answer of what light is. It can be man-made or uh, natural. Uh, it can be a light bulb or it can be uh, the sun rays. And in fact, as I was studying to prepare for this lesson, I, I looked up a passage, or I mean, a, a website. It's called delmarfans.com. It's a blog on the internet, and it was talking about this, and it exactly said exactly what you just said, Mallory. Uh, so what is light? I mean, it's a light bulb, it's sun rays, but what is light? <laughs> well, light is given off by a uh, scientific answer. Electrons moving in this way, and it gives off this thing which we see as light. And our eyes perceive every, and everything that we see has removed certain colors of light, and that's how we see pigments and all this other stuff. So light is, we don't really know what light is, we just know what it does. And I mean... Basically, I don't know what light is, but it it enables us to see and it does this stuff for us. That way we have a better, like we use it as energy mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. Light is a very important resource. It's just that we don't know what it is. We could just know how to harness it and know what it does. Yeah, absolutely. I really don't know how to describe light other than just something that's bright. <laughs> like, you know, <clears throat> like neon lights and all that other stuff is just this brightness and it's got this glow to it and it's just like it's hard to describe it's this glowing object and it can be multiple different colors right and it's just i don't know yeah no i mean that's exactly right i i I started preparing for this and I was going through websites i was going through books i was going through so many different things just thinking how in the world do we describe light? Like, what is light? Okay, there's got to be, uh, I mean, uh, there's been lots of people that have studied this in science. It's been a big topic for millennia. And so, therefore, somebody's got to have some pretty good answers of what light is. And, and, uh, and, and, and so, I'm still just as stumped, Xavier, as you are of, gosh, it's something that's describable, but yet indescribable at the same time. Blair, what do you, what do you say? What is light? Light is... <laughs> it's tough. I mean, it's something... I mean, light brings things into where we can see. Light is light. It's not heavy. Uh, light exposes. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, when a ray of sunshine, like, if it comes in through a window, you can see all the dust particles, like, yeah. floating around. So, it, it exposes things that the normal eye cannot see. Yeah. But yet it's so light you can carry it. I mean, you know, because it's it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a measure of, of speed, right? Light speed. Um, um, it's it's something that isn't just seen. Xavier brought up the optical side of of light, and in fact, uh, I, I when I was when I was looking through this on that DelmarFans.com, they talk about um, this is the way they describe light optically, uh, which is exactly what Xavier was alluding to. Light is power that we can see. Uh, humans have the best visual system structure in order to detect light uh, with our eyes. Uh, uh, and here's how uh, scientifically we say it works. Objects 
uh, we see have color because the light shines onto an object and say that object is a green apple. This causes the apple to absorb every color in the color spectrum except green and the color that the apple or the object does not absorb is what's reflected back to our eyes causing us to see the color green. And that's the way science describes um, um, that's the way science describes uh, uh, light. Uh, another description is it's visually perceived radiant energy and invisibility in the word visibility i don't want to say like invisible or indivisible because uh, then those are different words but visible light is just a small segment of the electromagnetic spectrum which is what xavier was talking about a broad range of radiant energy and and mallory was even bringing this up as well and um and so then the question has been continuously through the centuries, uh, I think it was the uh, 1700s, um, is light measured in waves or in particles? And the answer, as we find in, uh, in an incredible book called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.I. Packer, uh, he says it this way, he says, an ant antinomy exists when a pair of principles stand side by side, seemingly irreconcilable, yet both undeniable. Modern physics faces an antinomy in the sense in its study of light. There is a cognate evidence that shows that light consists of waves and equally cognate evidence that shows that it consists of particles. It is not apparent how light can be both waves and particles, but the evidence is there. So neither view can be ruled out in favor of the other. Neither, however, can be reduced to the other or explained in terms of the other. The two seemingly incompatible positions must be held together and both must be treated as true. This is not a paradox. It's an antinomy. So by contrast, J.I. Packer continues to go on and says, uh, an antinomy is neither dispensable nor comprehensible. It is not a figure of speech, but an observed relation between two statements of fact. And Jesus, a human being, God, 100% man, 100% God, is an antinomy. He is 100% man, he is 100% God, and yet he even ascribes himself to be something else, which is light. He cannot be separated from being light. And that is just absolutely mind-boggling to me, but yet at the same time, it holds so much truth. Did you have something that you were wanting to say, Xavier? No. Oh, okay. Um, if we'll turn to Isaiah chapter 9, uh, the foretelling of Jesus as the light is what the prophet Isaiah says to us, and he talks to us in, um, in, in the nature of the Son of Man is coming, and he's going to be born of a virgin, and this is what he's going to do. And Blair's going to read that for us. Isaiah 9, 1 through 9. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he was made glorious, the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. 
For every boot of the tramping warrior and battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be his shoulder, upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Lord has sent a word against Jacob, and it will fall on Israel. And all the people will know Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say in pride and in arrogance of heart. All right. So this is talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy proclaiming him as the light and that he will come and dwell on this earth. In John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5, and uh, actually John chapter 1, 1 through uh, 13, 14-ish, we have this uh, where the word is made flesh and the word is the light and that light made his dwelling among us, talking about Jesus. With all of this said, I just want to ask a couple of questions that are kind of rhetorical, but at the same time, they all bring a yes answer, and that is, can we see light? The answer is yes. Can we feel light? Like, is light something greater than what we visibly can see? And I think the answer is yes. Uh, I have a little bit of proof of that, and that is once, uh, gosh, I think it was six or seven years ago, we were in the United States, and we went to this cave called Mammoth Cave. It's in Kentucky. And we went as a family, and we went inside of the cave, and as we were under the ground, we were in a place that had absolutely no way for light to penetrate it. And um, we all were carrying torches, um, but at the same time, uh, we stopped on a place that was kind of a big uh, room, they called it, room inside of this cavern, and they said, all right, everybody shut off your torches, and we shut off our torches, and the darkness itself was so overpowering that you had your eyes open, and we did this for, uh, I think it was about two minutes, and the the, the darkness was over, so overwhelming that you could actually feel the darkness, and you started to kind of almost feel a little bit of a panic because you were like, are my eyes open? Are my eyes closed? I can't tell the difference because even with my eyes open, it's just as dark as if my eyes are closed, and and then one light went on, and it illuminated the whole cavern. It was the, the, the national park ranger that turned his light on. And he said, everybody else, keep your lights off. I'm just going to turn mine on. Notice the illumination that one light carries in this cavernous room. And it was so powerful because even in that moment, I, I remember I shut my eyes and I could feel the light from that man's torch, even though he was probably about 100 meters away. Um, so can we feel light? Yes. Can we know light? Yes. Is light describable? It is describable in as much as it's indescribable. Is light fully understood? I don't think it is. Is light still a mystery? I think light is. So let's turn those same questions and let's talk about Jesus. What about Jesus? Can we see Jesus? I think we can. I've seen Jesus, not in a face-to-face, moment-by-moment, like I see my wife, but I've seen Jesus to know that he is the truth. Is Jesus alive now? Is he alive today? Yes, he is. He's somebody that walks with me every single day. Can I feel Jesus? Is Jesus with me? Yes, I think he is. 
can I know Jesus? I most certainly can. It, but does that make Jesus fully describable or just as equally indescribable? Yeah. He is describable, but yet in all of our description, we fail to describe exactly who he is. Uh, can we fully understand Jesus? I think that I'm very limited in my understanding of Jesus, and I've studied the Bible. I've studied who Christ is. Gosh, I guess it's been 25 years now, and yet he's still just, I, I don't have a full comprehension of him because he reveals himself new to me. He doesn't change, but he just reveals more about himself to me every single day. And so therefore, is Jesus still a mystery? Yeah, he is still a mystery to me. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Like how Jesus is compared to light or how, uh, just in these questions that I was just going through, how, um, how this helps us in our betterment of understanding of who he is? Because I, just as much as we continue to question who Jesus is, that also strengthens us in our faith. All right, so Jesus and knowing who he is, as you were saying, I mean, I know for me personally, I still haven't even grasped of who he is. I mean, he knows my inner innermost being he knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows the inklings and the thoughts that go on inside of me. And in return, how much do I know of who he is? So I am and can be even ignorant in my um, knowledge of if I, well, yeah, I know Christ, but do I? Do I really know him? I mean, just I always compare my relationship with Christ Jesus um, to, to marriage a lot. And there's still more and more that I get to know about Matt each and every day. I mean, I hear stories of who he is and what he was and what he's gone through. And I'm like, I, I didn't know that story. I've, I've never heard that one. And as you were saying that each and every year that, you know, you in your relationship with Christ, Matt, that the Lord reveals who he is even more. And I mean, and I firmly believe that. I mean, here I am at 43 years of age. I'm not who I was when I was zero. I mean, I've grown. I'm, I'm not suckling up my mom's breast anymore. You know, I, I am grown. I, I've, you know... You know, I do not breastfeed anymore. I am able to make and prepare my my own food, so to say. And uh, just as much as I've grown in um, stature, you know, that's how much more my relationship needs to to grow in Christ Jesus. It doesn't become stagnant because there's always so much more to know. Just like there is, as you said, there's so much more to know to the light. And if I choose the light, that's my choice. And if I choose darkness that's my choice. And there's times where, you know, situations of life can get dark. But in those moments, am I going to be reliant upon the light and see the light, even though it's so dim? Or am I going to keep in the darkness and be like, forget this? Mm -hmm. So I mean, those are some questions I have to ponder and ask myself of, you know, Christ is right there. His burden is light. He is light. And I, 
I get to to make that choice of do I do I want do I want that light and do I um, do I reflect his light in circumstances in my reflection of him towards others yeah yeah absolutely the next part um, Jesus says I am the light whoever follows me will not walk in darkness and so I just want to ask, what, what is darkness? Like, what, what is darkness? I'm not talking about the absence of light, but what is he referencing here when he says darkness? I was about to say the absence of light. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think maybe then, if you're not asking for that question, answer that question, you know, darkness, space, because space is a void, black void. But um, uh, darkness, I think if you're speaking of the other kind of darkness is he's not talking about darkness as in the absence of light like going into space and it's just void of all light because it's it's pitch black and it's a vacuum but um you're talking about how darkness is really um this darkness is uh not that darkness but it's the darkness like of evil like whoever follows after christ will not walk in darkness and he means by that that we won't walk we won't have to walk in evil and even david says even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death oh fear no evil for thou art with me because if we walk with christ no darkness can harm us we may stub our toe and fall over but jesus is right there walking with us and even in the darkness we may feel like we're all alone and there's nothing there but Jesus is always there, right beside us, guiding us on our way. Yeah. It's just that at that time, we don't see him because we're not willing to look for him in that time of need. But we need to look up and know that Jesus is our light. Yeah. And even though it's a dark time, he's there to illuminate everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh I have listed down uh, darkness as evil, it's sin, it's destruction or destructive, it's ill intent, it's ugly, it's the unseen. Uh, Was there anything else that you, when Jesus is talking about the darkness, is there anything else that you guys had in mind of of what he's, he's talking about here? I mean, darkness is different for all people. I mean, we're not right. we're not all created the same. The only way that we're all cr- really created the same is we were created to worship. I mean, I firmly believe that way. And um, so darkness is going to look different for my life as opposed to my husband's life or my kid's life because, I mean, I, know, I would know some of my ill intentions and that could be a dark place, whereas if I expose those ill intentions to someone in, in confidence, they may be like, that's it, really? And if I dwelled on that's it, really? then I would be like, well, maybe it's not so bad. And I would still be in the dark mm. and not letting go of the light. So as soon as I, you know, but if Christ Jesus exposes those things through the Holy Spirit, then it's, yeah, I need to do, I need to deal with that. Yeah. I, I need to, I need to remove that darkness and allow the light to come in. Yeah. And it's a lot of ste- stepping back from myself and allowing Christ to shine all the more, but truly surrendering it all to him. Because like I said, dark, darkness is different for, for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Um, 
And, and so a follow-up question, we just talked about darkness. What is it mean? What does it mean to walk? What does, what does it mean to walk? Like we go out for evening strolls within the complex of where we live here in Mahali. Is that the only time that we're talking about? Or what is it Jesus referring to when he says, uh, if you, whoever follows me, remember whoever that, that again has no, uh, um, reflection on you have to do something in order to change who you are, uh, lose your culture, lose your color, lose your hair color, or any of those things, not wear makeup, wear makeup. That's because it's whoever follows me uh, will not walk in darkness. What does it mean to walk? What what does that reference? What is walking here talking about? Anybody? Xavier? Walking here is talking about just our daily lives. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He's saying we won't have to be in darkness at all because he'll be with us, the light of life. And Mm -hmm. walking is talking about how we go through our daily life. We take a step each day and we keep moving forwards and forwards and forwards. And he's talking about the more you move forwards, if you have me in your life, then I will be with there and you will not be walking in darkness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I have written down, it's our daily life. It's, it's our walking, waking, it's our sleeping, it's our working, it's our driving, it's our physical walking, it's our exercise time, it's our bathroom time, it's our kitchen time, it's our dining room time. It's our time of every moment of every second of every day is what is referenced by walking here. And Blair's got something. I do. I when you say walk, I've done a done some studies, but I go back to Psalm one nineteen um, verses. Uh, any of the verses, all through one, all through Psalm one nineteen. There's a lot of walking, but right from the beginning, you know, blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord, yeah. and that's right from verse one. And so I did I, I question when I when I read Psalm 119, you know, what does it mean to walk in the law of the Lord? Is the law of the Lord like a list of do's and don'ts? Um, is the law here in an instruction or a teaching? The law throughout the word of God reveals the way of life and um, the disciplines of life. So when I think of walk, it's not a fast pace. It's not running. I'm not running. It's it's when I walk, it's not a quick fix, you know, for our hearts were to exercise, you know, 30 minutes a day or uh, three to five miles a day to keep your heart, your heart strong. And it's, you know, that the heart association doesn't say run, but walk, just a nice, steady walk. Um, So not running, not a quick fix, um, but a, but a deliberate movement to keep, to keep going, to keep, you know, persevering and going through um and and in that to to guard and maintain obey persevere uh to witness and to be unashamed unashamed yeah and so that's i mean walk means so much more to me Mm. yeah absolutely um mallory what what about you what does walking mean to you i don't know because all I know is that I walk like almost every single day because you always have to walk unless if you're disabled, but you always have to walk. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You always have to walk. You always have steps that you're taking, even if you're going to a friend's house to sit, 
with them. You have to make an effort to get there. And in those moments, if we are walking, whoever follows Jesus and is walking with him will not walk in darkness. Um, and so even when we're at a buddy's house or at a, a friend's house or we're out uh, with friends doing things, um, again, Jesus is asking us to follow after him in those moments. And so uh, he who follows Jesus, his life will no longer have darkness or evil or bad intent or actions or thoughts. And, and, and then I can, I can hear, I can almost hear somebody saying, but wait, I follow Jesus and I make mistakes. Is that on him or is it on me? Because we're always looking, as Blair was mentioning earlier, we're always looking for some scapegoat. We're always looking for some way out of or justification for our bad or ill-intent actions. And so I've got to, I've got to just, you know, tear off the Band-Aid fast, if you will. And that is say, it's you or it's me. I'm the one that made the mistake because, first of all, I stopped following Jesus. And therefore, I began walking a path of darkness. Uh, um, but you say, I follow him on Sundays, or I've listened to the Five Alive podcast, and I'm a faithful listener, or I, 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 I study the Bible uh, uh, every so often, or even I study the Bible every single day. Does that, 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 that's me following Jesus. And I just have to ask you, uh, are you carrying, are you, are you continuing to walk with him after that segment of your life when you've read the Bible or you've gone to a church service or you've listened to a Five Alive uh, devotional podcast? Or are you continuing to take things into your own hands? Because if or when I do end up in darkness, it's not because I followed Jesus into the darkness. Because when I walk with him, light is, light is continuous continuously illuminating my pathway and darkness flees. And so when I'm walking with Jesus, I'm walking in the light. But when I choose to leave Jesus, when I choose to walk in my own strength, when I choose to walk in my own ego, when I choose to follow what somebody else is uh, saying to me, and then I say, you know what? I don't want to offend them or upset them or, or even make them question their own faith. So I'm just going to go along with what they say. When you aren't standing up for Christ in those moments, you begin turning away from the pathway that he has led for us or for you or for me. And we have started walking into darkness. Uh, so uh, what I'm saying is a Christian can do things that Jesus would not do. A Christian can do things that Jesus would not do. In, in other words, I'm saying a, a person who professes to have a daily walk with Jesus can still, in a moment's notice, turn from that walk and be consumed with their flesh and or ego or as Freud used to call it, the id, and start walking in darkness. And then they can turn around and start walking with Christ again. And yet, for some reason, those of us who are always looking, like myself, to justify myself, I look at them and I say, oh, well, you know, let's just use a biblical example. Well, David, he had seven wives and he had an adulterous affair. And so that must justify the fact that, um, you know, sexual uh, desire for somebody, even though I'm married, uh, doesn't mean that I have to have a monogamous marriage. But that's not true at all. That, that's not what the light says. That's not what Christ says. Christ says that marriage is between a man and a woman alone them they they are joined together in union and so just because i see this example of a biblical um, uh, leader 
who made a mistake and walked in darkness for a moment doesn't give me justification for doing the same thing. Or what about a person that maybe committed murder and they went and murdered somebody? Does that make it right for me to now hate my brother? No, it doesn't. That means I've turned from Christ. I've turned from the light and I started walking in darkness. I'm also saying by Christ's nature, he being the light, he can see through the darkness like x-rays. He can see through the darkness and he can see the things that you and I think that we're hiding we constantly are trying to, uh, to hide certain parts of our lives from different people, from our spouse, from our coworkers, whoever it is. And Jesus can see right through all of those things and expose all of those things. And he knows who we are. And yet, amazingly, he still loves us. Even when we're exposed he still calls us to repent and to follow after him. He still asks us, hey, walk with me, follow me. And he tells us that we can be the light like he is the light. There's a passage of scripture in Matthew where he says that, um, that we are to be like a light on a city on the hill. And, 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 and it just makes me constantly think of this passage of scripture that we we, we um, memorize, I memorized when I was, I think I was like 17 years old. And, um, and I'm going to miss say it first. I'm going to say it wrong first, because this is the way we like to look at this passage of scripture. And then I'm going to put in the part that we always leave out. And that is, for he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we love that idea of the fact that he's faithful, he's just, he forgives us, he cleanses us from our sins, he cleanses us from our unrighteousness. But actually, the first part of that verse in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we confess, he then cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You see, we like the forgiveness part. We like the cleansing part. We like the part where God loves us, and then we try and hold him to that standard all the time, and yet he also asks us to do something, and that is confess our sins, repent of our wrongs, trust solely in him, follow him as he is the light, walk in the light with him, for where he is, there is no darkness. These are the things that, these are the actions that he requires of us, and yet these are the very things that we like to ignore. These are the very things that we like to hold him to his standard of and forget our standard of who we are. We presuppose on his love, on his grace, and on his mercy, and we diminish our wrongful actions, placing 100% blame on God for our faults, our problems, our trials, and our struggles. Now, Jesus promises that if we follow him, we will not walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. And as I mentioned before, John, and time's getting away from us, but in John 1, uh, verse 1 through 14, Jesus is the light of the world. He is brought into us and, and he abides with us. Those who follow after him, he will come into them. And how does he do that? How does he come into us? How does he become a part? How do we become a part of him and he become a part of us other than the person of the Holy Spirit? And just real briefly, I, I want to ask Xavier uh, to give me the math equation of who the triune God is that I always say, and that is what? One, 
<coughs> excuse me, 1 times 1 times 1. What does it equal? 1. It equals 1. 1 times 1 times 1 equals 1. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son. God the Son. G, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost is God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father is also. They're all equivalently equal. They are important. They are one God. Three parts but one God. And even that one times one times one times one equals one is not the greatest analogy of who God is. But what I can tell you is we worship as Christians one God. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit, as we follow after Jesus, as we walk with him, the Holy Spirit comes into us and he is with us as the light of life, which is not just for us alone. The light of life that the Holy Spirit then brings and abides within us is for our spouse, is for our children, is for our neighbors, it's for the co-workers and other family members, it's for those that are in our hobby classes, it's for those that are in our clubs. The light of life is so that that way we change the way we think at the poor or the widow or the prostitute or the outcast because they also need the light of Jesus to provide for them life. And so I just... Maybe this is a rhetorical question. Think about this. But can you give an example of your life being a light of life? I'm always quickly reminded we um, currently and do live here in India. And some of our first beginnings of living in India was in um, Rajasthan. And we had some of the most sweetest people and our colony who embraced this American family into their daily lives of living. Um, never lived in India before. It was, de you know, definitely here through my husband's uh, business and company. And my husband, he was out of town. We had been living in India for about a year then in Rajasthan. And my husband, he was gone for a couple of weeks. And, um, and there was an uncle that lived across the street. He was a colonel. And um, he would watch our house whenever Matthew was gone. And so it would just be the kids and I. And there was this particular night, I, I like heard from the Lord saying, you know, turn the light off. I'd always keep a, 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 a hallway light on um, because I was terrified. I was terrified of the dark. I was at, what, 32, 33 at this age. And, um, yes, I was still scared. I was like, okay, here I am in India, and, Lord, you're asking me to turn off the light? I'm freaked out right now. And I heard from the Lord again, you know, turn out the light. So I opened up the door, and I went out, and I turned off the hallway light, and I quickly you know, jump right back into bed. I was so scared, but you know, it was the greatest sleep ever. It's like, as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out. Um, the next morning, uh, Uncle Kumar had come out at five o'clock in the morning to, you know, turn on my water so we could have water for that day. And, uh, cause it was, it was a dry season in Rajasthan during those times. 
And like I said, my uncle, the uncle across the street, Uncle Kumar, he said, Blair, he said, I noticed you turned your light out at one o'clock in the morning. And I said, yes, sir, I did. And he goes, so you finally believe, huh? And I looked at him. He goes, you finally believe in your God. He's the light. And he's the one that brings light in the darkness. And I looked at Uncle Kumar and I thought, what profound words of wisdom from this man. And he said, you know, Blair, he said, I'm so glad you're entrusting your Lord because that was the greatest sleep I've ever had since you've moved into this colony. We both laughed. We both continued watering our lawns that morning because, you know, what do you do with the extra water? You got to water, your, you know, your little patch of grass and and get that water flowing. And there was just so much meaning in what he said to me that really helped me to grasp and to know more of who Christ Jesus is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have an example, Xavier or Mallory? I mean, not necessarily being a light, but Christ being, but of Christ being a light. Same like mommy, but I was much younger. I remember being in U.S., really little, so like four, three, four. And I had a lamp beside my bed, and I used to sleep with it on because I was always scared of the dark. And I also always slept. I always slept under a sheet because, you know, something's going to get me if I don't sleep all the way under the sheets. And I was so scared. I remember being scared. And then one night I remember praying, and I was like, you know what? I don't need this light on anymore. Yeah. And I turned off that lamp. And I've never slept with a lamp on in my room ever again. I always, I prefer being in the dark. And I don't know why, but it's probably because I have the light of Christ in me that I need not be f- afraid of it. Yeah. Because anytime I'm in pain or anything like that, I don't like being all the way in the light. Like, he- I have Headaches. headaches. Yeah. I hate the light because it just ignores my brain and everything like that. So I go into a room that is just dark or I cover my eyes. That way I can't see anything. And it helps because in that darkness, there is a light that helps guide me through this pain that I'm feeling. Yeah. And that light is Christ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mallory. Um, well, as there, as my family knows, I sleep with lights on because, um, it makes me feel way more comfortable. And, um, I know cause when I was a little kid, I couldn't always find the bathroom whenever I got sick and I had to throw up. So I'd always throw up on the ground cause I could never find the bathroom. I was like, you know what? I'm going to put lights in my room so that way I can find the bathroom. <laughs> and, um... I also remember when I was a little kid, um, I got this really, really dark room, mm. and I had to sleep in it by myself, but I've never slept in my room by myself. I've only been sleeping with my sister in a room together, and so that's what I would always do every single night. Whenever I knew my parents were asleep, I would sneak into my sister's bed, and then uh, she would always read the Bible to me, and then we would go to bed. Well, not me, because I would stay up late. <laughs> and then I would eventually go to bed, and I slept fine. 
because the room was lighter and I really did not like dark room. But I liked the room to myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And your sister was with you, just like Jesus is with us. And uh, what, a, what a great older sister you have in Addison to always be there with you. So just in conclusion, Jesus is the light. Whoever follows him never walks in darkness, but has the light of life in him. In turn, you are a light bearer. I just kind of want to briefly hit on this and just and, and trust that uh, it really makes sense and hits home um, that when we follow Jesus, we're not following a false light. And we don't then become a false light or a reflection. Like the actual physical sun gives true light. Notice when we were giving descriptions of natural light, we were talking about the sun. We, when we were talking about human made, we were talking about a light bulb. We didn't talk about the moon. The moon is a reflection of what the sun is. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, I'm going to make you a reflection. No, instead he says, I'm going to give you the same power that I have. I am a light. I am a source of light. And therefore, I'm going to make you light bearers yourself, not a false or a, a, a reflection of the sun, but an actual person who carries the light. In other words, you as a Christ follower are going to be one who is a Christ bearer, which means you're a light bearer, which means you're giving the exact source out into the world that Jesus gives into the world. That's how intimate he is with us. We're not a reflection. We are encompassed with him. I'm not saying that we are then going to be like God the Father or God the Son or God the Holy Spirit. No, what I'm saying is, is if we are children of God and we are adopted in as his sons, that means we reflect his light not reflecting his light like the moon does, but we're light bearers. We are Jesus to other people. Not that they should call us Jesus. We become one with Christ. And this is the exact words that he uses later on in the book of John. These are the exact things. He says, I want my disciples to be one as you, Father, and I are one. He wa I want them to be one with me. In other words, we are the light bearers unto this world, which means we don't reflect a fake source. We're not a faux source of light, but we're the actual source of light. When we put our trust in Jesus, and walk with him every single day, following him, we also have the opportunity and the ability to dispel darkness. Are you going to make mistakes? Yeah. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and of all of our unrighteousness. Let's be the light as Jesus is the light. Mallory. Thank you, Jesus, for this day and for every single day and that God will always be able to be with us and everybody is safe. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.